0: Welcome to episode 367, where I sat down with writer-director Nicholas Stoller. We talked about his new movie, Bros, which he wrote with Billy Eichner. We also touched on some of his other films. He's written movies like Thumb with Dick and Jane and Yes Man for Jim Carrey. Get him to the Greek, the Muppets, Sex tape, the Carmichael Show, Night School, on and on and on. He's, he's talked about writing with partners like Jason Segel, and then with Billy, of course, for this latest film. We also went down his whole career, what it's like to write R comedies versus PG thirteen comedies, what it was like to write this first real gay rom com uh, with producer, well, for producer Judd Apatow, for Billy Eichner, what it's like to have these writer partnerships confidence through comedy and some screenwriting breakthroughs, including a very special lesson he learned when he got to sit down with Nora Efron. we talk about that towards the end of the interview. So make sure to listen to the full thing to learn what he learned from Nora Efron.
1: I wanted to be a screenwriter and TV writer and ideally a director. I mean, almost ever since I can remember, I was obsessed with comedy writing as a kid. And I remember wa- uh, watching Saturday Night Live and not wanting to be the, I don't even know how I knew this was a job, not wanting to be the actors on the show, but wanting to, I wanted to write the sketches. I had no dreams of being an actor, really. Uh, I mean, I did it in like high school and stuff, but, but I wanted to write. I, I always wanted to write. And so, and I just, early on was like, we thought it would be kind of an incredible job to get to write and direct.
0: Where, where kind of are comedies today? It seems like, you know, when you were kind of getting started, there were a lot of comedy movies, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, a lot of them have maybe moved to streamers, which is where Bros is kind of going. Some of them are just for TV now. And then a lot of them are like, just it seems like studios are pushing action comedies to get the global appeal. Um, Where do you kind of see comedy movies today?
1: You know, a weird thing happened where, you know, and I feel really excited that Bros is going to be in in theaters and theatrically released. Uh, A weird thing happened where like a few years ago, everyone was just like, comedy doesn't work in theaters and it's like just not true like the last like if like Judd always says if the hangover came out this weekend it would make a billion dollars like there is like it's just everyone just stopped making them i don't really know why i love going to see comedies in the movie theater it's like horror or like a big you know you want to see your kind of marvel movie or your big kind of effect movie on a big screen but you want to see a horror movie or a comedy because you get to have that kind of experience with an audience you know and uh where you're laughing at stuff or you're reacting to stuff or you're you know whatever it is and so I don't really know why I think it's as you know people are always like it's a business first and I'm like well it's not run like a business because if anyone thought you know thought about this stuff like a business they'd be like oh there's been a huge you know a hole in the comedy world I think the thing that's changed uh permanently is I think those kind of uh adult dramas, uh, from like that or adult kind of soft comedies, like were really comedies that were more very popular in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I think that that, I could see that, that doing that being difficult in a movie theater, just because you don't have that kind of, um, uh, you don't need to have that kind of uh, experience with a lot of people, you know, like where you're laughing altogether, but even that I could be wrong about that. That's not, you know, that, that could be something that if it's a certain thing that hasn't been seen before people want to see it.
0: What's kind of the biggest difference? So if you look at some of your titles, Fun with Dick and Jane, Yes Man, Night School Bros, when you're writing one of these, um, where do you sort of separate PG-13 versus R? Do you just write it how you want to write it? Do that later? Do you write two versions? I know sometimes if you're directing, you can kind of make that up as you go a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I know going in what it's going to be and I, I, there's like the things that I write and the things that I write to direct are very different. So like when I'm writing something for someone else, you're, you know, with movies, you are working for the director ultimately. And, uh, and there's something, you know, and I try to do as good a job as possible, but I don't have to be quite as like, I can think the concept is really funny or I can think the character is really funny, but when you're, when I'm writing to direct something, Um, I really have to be inside it you know Uh, generally I have to be inside it somehow emotionally Um, and so it's a different process but I would say use I know whether it's going to be R, PG-13 for the beginning Um, it's and it's just I tend towards R just because like people, you know curse in real life and I like stuff to be honest (laughs) and people have sex in real life and you know and so that's like that's why I tend towards R, not to not to do gross out stuff or anything like that, but just because I think it leads towards harder comedy. But a lot of the stuff that I've written has been PG thirteen, particularly family stuff. Like when I wrote Muppets with Jason Siegel or whatever, it's that's going to be PG. Um, and so that was funny because I think they I think originally it was going to be G, and they're like G is actually hurts uh, audiences because like, like kids, little kids are like I don't want to see a G rated movie, so like so they had to make it PG, which was like it was barely PG um you know but i think it just depends on the material uh yeah
0: and is that stuff is that i mean is that as relevant today is it still about, i guess it would really come down to the theatrical release or not it seems like netflix is ready i don't know how it all works with kids and stuff like that but it seems like whatever they wanted to come out with they can come out with
1: yeah i don't think it matters anymore i mean it, it could it could help or hurt theatrically i guess uh i think a comedy coming out of movie theaters, unless it's like a clear family, four quadrant family movie, like right. like I, I consider, I mean, it has a lot of visual effects in it, but I think Jumanji is primarily a comedy. That, that coming out as R-rated would hurt the box office because it's such a big family movie. But I think the more adult comedies, I think it helps you to be R-rated personally. I think, because I, I think it makes people want to see it more. Adults want to see it more because they know it's going to be a more honest reflection of their adult lives. I think.
0: So I, I spoke with Judd maybe a couple of months ago, and he, is the first time I've heard of Bros. He mentioned it then. I think he's on it as maybe the producer. Um, yeah. Where did this idea come from? How did you get involved with it?
1: It came from me. I basically, I wanted to, uh, I worked with Billy Eichner um, on, first, I first worked with him on Neighbors 2. Uh, he was, uh, he had a little scene in that. And then I cast him in the show that my wife and I created called Friends from College. That's on Netflix and he was amazing in it. He played Fred Savage's boyfriend and then husband. And he was, I discovered in that, that he was like a really good actor, which I didn't know. Um, And then we screened the first episode of Friends from College and from an audience. And he, uh, every time he was on screen, the audience, it, it destroyed And I was like, that doesn't happen that often. It was a really exciting moment. And I was like, oh, this guy's like a movie star. He like deserves a vehicle for him. He deserves, you know, a comedy vehicle. And so, uh, and for years i had been intrigued by the idea of a romantic comedy about two gay men falling in love. I'm straight. I didn't feel like my story to tell, but I just thought like with my tone, that story could be really interesting. Um, And so I approached Billy and said, would you ever want to, you know do something like this like build a movie around you with me directing it and us writing it together he was into the idea and we started working on it together so that's and then about after about a year of us kind of cracking the story I think it was about a year I called Judd like Judd and I have worked together many times and Judd wanted to be involved and was excited about it so we brought Judd in um and yeah and we brought to the studio to Universal where I've directed uh, almost all my movies so, all my live action movies
0: during some of those early conversations with, I think what he mentioned is, is kind of surprising. This didn't come sooner. There wasn't like a, a big yeah. R-rated gay comedy sooner. Like, um, were you guys talking about tone audience? Is everything pretty much okay now? I guess, you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as like audiences or is it like, do you still, have, do you still feel like you were crossing any lines doing anything like that?
1: yeah i was never that worried because in my experience if you're honest in the story you're telling the audience just goes along with you and the audience kind of reacts negatively if something feels gratuitous i.e it feels dishonest you're just going for something to gross people out or you're going for something to shock people or whatever yeah. so i was never that worried about it like i knew tonally, this needed to be really funny i knew i need to be honest the only directive which i knew from the studio and, what, and the kind of movie i want to tell because I've, there weirdly haven't been many uh, gay stories that end happily I wanted the movie to end happily um, I like a happy ending personally um, and so uh, so yeah so there wasn't but there wasn't really and at no point did the audience you know we screamed with basically we never adjusted anything because the, the audience never reacted like oh this is too far which which they were it, it felt like the audience was just ready for this movie and it's kind of a funny thing where people say to me like isn't it so exciting to be part of this historic thing and my reaction is like it is crazy that it's taken this long for this movie this kind of movie to get made i mean it's like cool i guess this is the first one but it's not great <laughs> it's not great this is the first one is my feeling about it um so yeah and it's you know but it's very very funny i can't have you seen it i don't know if you've seen it yet. i haven't seen it yet oh okay cool uh yeah it's a it's i mean i think it turned out pretty well and um and it's very funny and it feels Tonally, it'll feel, feel like any of the movies I've made, or you know, movies that others produced. But it also is its own thing because it's an entirely gay cast, an LGBTQ cast, and mm-hmm. it's telling a very specific story. But it yet also feels like, where's this movie been? You know, and I went on a little bit of a gay cinema kind of tour before I made this movie, and there was basically only one movie I watched that was this kind of light this movie trick i don't know if you've seen this this movie Mm -hmm. called trick it's from the 90s pretty small movie i'd heard of it but i've never seen it and it's it's a 90s indie it's an indie 90s it's different than this but it's one of the only gay stories that's just like it's just like a coming of age like a night a crazy night out story between two guys who kind of fall for each other and it was like of all the movies i watched in my little brief gay cinema tour that was the only one that was just light and fun <laughs> like everything else was like a bummer uh or very serious or something you know which is which is
0: uh crazy i think like uh, the movies we talked about your movies judd movies they're very deep in character that's very important what were some of the tropes you guys wanted to avoid because a lot of movies were like we need to add a gay character and they don't really go in deep like what were some things you're like or did you make fun of that at all or anything like that
1: yeah, we make fun of it in the movie. Uh, there's like a whole like Billy kind of to kind of it was very important to Billy that he, I think because his whole career has been kind of explaining who he is to Hollywood over and over again. It was very important to him that he explained to the audience that he really and you have to be very clear with the movie. So he actually has like a, at the beginning of the movie he like pitches a romantic comedy to like a, to a, a Hollywood executive and like the exec doesn't understand what he's talking about. um I mean, it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's funny, despite the kind of nature, historic nature or whatever of the movie, like I approached it the way I would approach anything, which is to be a, the more specific you are to, you know, to the character, the more relatable and universal the movie or your story is. And so I wasn't, I mean, I don't, I think I I wasn't consciously trying to avoid tropes, but you just kind of, the, the more you're trying to be specific with these characters, the more you just avoid tropes, you know, and so, uh. And, and Billy was, you know, Billy is a very specific performer. Um, he, know, he knows exactly what makes him funny. Uh, and he wanted it to be, you know, to, to and, and what makes him vulnerable and all that. And so it was very specific to him. And then when we cast this, uh, this actor, Luke McFarlane, we wrote it very specifically to him as well. Um, and so it was just being specific to everyone. You know, I don't try, I try to just see I don't know. My job as a director and as a comedy director is to be as human as possible, to try to make people as human as they possibly can be and not fall into tropes or stereotypes. Because as soon as you do that, it's like the audience stops laughing, honestly. Hmm.
0: I just spoke with um, John Hamburg not long ago. I think you guys have maybe worked together in the past. Oh, yeah. New Zealand or something. So tell me a little bit about what one thing that he told me was that you should be writing so specific that like you shouldn't write a role where 20 guys can play. It should be like two people, one or two people can play it. What, what, did Billy feel like typecasted before, maybe before the college show you did? Because he's known for Billy on the Street. He's known for Parks and Rec and having this big personality. And it seems like some of the trailers, he's a little bit. Maybe calmer, or at least can go up and down more so, you know. Um, what were some of the like? How did you write the role for him? What were some of those conversations like? What was that character that you came up with with him?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, on Friends from College, like he plays a very, like, kind of uh, almost quiet, very together uh, fertility doctor. It was very different than anything he'd done. So it was like, and that's, I think, why I want actors like to do something I have done. I actually had to, there's a moment where, he has to get, everyone's being really loud in his apartment and, and I, he had to yell at them to be quiet. And I told him and I could tell he didn't want to do it. And I was like, this is the only time you're going to yell the entire series, I promise. Like it's just this one time because they're being loud. So we wanted to avoid understandably that kind of like yelling guy. Um, so in that show, he was very different. He was very like, you know, uh, you know. again, I'm trying to see him as, a, as the, the character, as a person, as a fully realized person, you know, the, a fertility doctor who's very cerebral and, you know, a very like kind of emotionless in a certain way and quiet. Um, and then, I mean, I think Bobby, which is the name of the character uh, in uh, in Bros is like pretty close is close to who Billy is as a person. He was very important to Billy that the movie and to me that the movie be very adult, uh, not like in content, but in terms of it being sophisticated uh it's a it's a it's basically two guys talking to each other for two hours really if you're gonna like if you're gonna just I mean a lot of funny stuff happens but that's like essentially what it is and it was also important to him and you know and true to who he is that he not be like a mess like a lot of comedies start with the characters a total mess and they do a cleanup montage, like they clean up, you know, I've shot, I've shot cleaning up montages myself. And he was like, that's not who he is. You know, he's, he's really, he's put his career first and foremost. He lives in like the cleanest apartment I've ever seen. He's very, he's really got his shit together uh, or superficially the way we all do. Um, and so, you know, so I think that was important to him. And so he, you know, he's a very together character. He has very strong opinions, which is true of Billy as well. Um, and he's put up all of these kind of uh, blocks, so he doesn't seem vulnerable or insecure at all to the world. He seems he seems very confident. And uh, then he meets this guy, uh, Luke. Uh, Luke play, Luke McFarland plays Aaron, this character Aaron. And he, uh, completely, Aaron, totally disarms him and makes them, You know, they fall for each other. And so that's the fun of watching, watching this guy who thinks he has a shit together uh, and seemingly does, kind of totally fall fall in love and fall apart. You know, um, and so. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of. But we worked very closely together on that character, so it was so. Cl- it was not autobiographical, but close, you know.
0: Yeah, tell me a little bit about the logistics of the writing process. I think you guys are, are both listed here. Are you both in a room? Are there parts where you kind of separate? Do you come with a, a first idea draft? What were some of the logistics of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, he and I wrote together. We so we we kind of and like this is kind of the way I've always done it is we crack the story together and talked through the story you know over many months talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and then we split up pages basically and wrote scenes separately on this movie more than in other movies on other movies it's more 50 50 he he wrote i would say more of it than i did you know i i wrote we i took passes of every scene and then he would be like no it needs to be like this and then it would go back and forth you know but like we would so we would split up pages and write um but uh but yeah, and then we would come together, and then and then he would he, he would give me pages, or I give him pages, and then we would, then we would rewrite each other's pages, and it's kind of a back and forth. And the writing process never really ends. Like then the big part of it, then we have a table read, and you discover a whole bunch of stuff is wrong with the script at the table read, and then you know kind of rebreak it, and then you know you get notes from the studio, which are. Tend to be, you know, from Universal, they're, you know, it's really smart. They're usually like, oh, the ending's not big enough, or, you know, the third act turns not, not a big enough turn, or whatever. Um, and so we adjust that, we get notes from Judd. Uh, and then when we cast, we do rehearsals. And during the rehearsals, we discovered stuff in the rehearsals and rewrote it more specifically for Luke. And so it's kind of a continual process through shooting it you know on the day like when we're shooting it i'll be like oh this scene is just not working we have to figure it out and, and rewrite it so it's just you know it, 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 and then we'll also pitch throw jokes out one of the actors in the movie is guy is comedian guy brandon who's also the onset writer and he would pitch amazing jokes that i would kind of you know tell the actors or, or i would think of jokes or billy would think of jokes for other actors or whatever so it's kind of you know it's kind of a whole collaborative process
0: Is that typically the way, so uh, some of the other writers I've talked to, if they're a a true writer partnership, they might write 10 movies together where you're kind of, I think this is the first one that you and Billy worked on together. Has this been your process like all along? Um, Is this how you typically work with everyone?
1: Yeah. I've, you know, I've collaborated with a lot of people. Like I write, um, you know, the only person that I literally sit and write with is my wife, Francesca and I, we sit and write the scripts together. And that's kind of, you know, the only time I've really done it that way. Like when Jason, Jason Siegel and I write together, we break up the story, we break up, we kind of do the same thing. Talk through the story, talk through it, talk through it. And then I'll write pages, he'll write pages. We switch, we send each other, each other's, you know, scenes, we rewrite them. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of easier to kind of talk through the story and then split up scenes than it is to sit and write the scenes together. It's just sometimes that's, you know. Um, but I've collaborated with, I love collaborating. Particularly with talent, it's really fun. Um, to work with an actor, because I always say that, like, as a writer, I'm always looking at it from a, you know, plot. Per- naturally, I'm looking at it more from a plot perspective than a character perspective. I'm trying to figure out what to, how to make the story work. And the actor is like, but would a human do that? <laughs> it's like a very simple question, which as a writer, you can forget. And the actor will be like, but why did I, why am I walking out on the balcony? There's no reason for me to walk out on the balcony, you know. But that's the way I, I do it. I tend to split up, talk through this movie uh, and you know, there was some, I can't remember who there's some famous writer director who said that the way they t- do their story, the way they do their movies is they tell the story of the movie over and over and over again. I guess
0: Paul, Paul Schrader told us that it might be, Paul Schrader. yeah, yeah. he, just, it is, he yeah. talks it till it's 45 minutes and then he'll go right or something like that.
1: Yeah. And he's totally right. Like if you can't tell, I've noticed that If I can't tell the story to someone yeah. and the way that's amusing and fun, it's Paul Schrader. Uh, like that was such a brilliant like thing i'm like oh it doesn't i'm missing stuff you know like you know um and i've noticed that it's very boring to people who know you because then you're (laughs) constantly telling these like movie stories that are not that interesting but but it is but it is true if you can't tell the story then you you have problems you know
0: when you uh you know so you talk it through when you go back and it's just you writing alone um was there a point when you weren't confident in how funny something was? How did you kind of get past that? I mean, I realize you have your own sense of humor, but is it just about you've already kind of talked through it enough to where you know the general idea? Or where does the comedy come from in the first draft? I guess.
1: I mean, I'll write stuff simply to amuse myself that I know won't be in the movie ever, you know. And I tend to, you know, Billy and I have very different writing styles. And I I found writers kind of do are kind of one or the other. I write a million shitty drafts i just write draft after draft after draft and slowly it gets better he writes will take a while to write a perfect scene mm-hmm. and it's like and i think our weird combination made the movie work because like we and, and i've had this i worked with this writer brilliant writer rodney rothman who was one of the directors on um spider-verse and he 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 kind of is similar to billy he'll, he'll like write a perfect script and it'll take him a little bit of time it will be like perfect like somehow I'll be like holy shit it's like a diamond you know and billy's like that i'll just write these scenes that are like a diamond Um, And I tend to throw out a lot of stuff and rewrite it and rewrite and rewrite it. And eventually it's good, you know, Um, uh, but, you know, I mean, I think the best way and I break this rule all the time because I just need to amuse myself because writing can be boring is the best, but the best way to do it really is to write from truth and to try to write what would honestly happen in the scene so often I'm just like, oh, this is it would be funny if, you know, he shit his pants here, like <laughs> you know, it's just, it never ends up in the movie, but like, you know, whatever, you know, like, but I'll, I will, just to amuse myself, write weird jokes and left turns. And sometimes you discover stuff when you do that too. Um, I always am attracted to comedy as I'm writing scenes. And then it, and then you put it up on its feet and you immediately know it's too broad or it's too big, too much. It's not because again, the audience is always going to laugh. And this is a lesson I learned over and over you know, they're always going to laugh at whatever is most honest, most true, most relatable. It's just like, it's just a fact, you know, um, uh, they're the biggest laughs in the movies that I've made, you know, with a few exceptions, but the biggest laughs are often just like a reaction to something that is very relatable to the audience.
0: So you mentioned having a scriptwriter on set, you pitch ideas, you have a lot of comedians there. I'm sure there's lots of ideas being pitched on set in addition to what's being you know sh- shot and written, everything else. How do you invite improv on set? Is it a conversation you have? Is it just making sure everybody knows their character so well that they're pitching as character? What are some of the things you think about as a director bringing improv on?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I would say that like this movie had a little bit less improv than other movies I've done. Um, I don't tend to just be like, go improv. Like it just doesn't work. It feels riffy. And I don't like that riffy feeling. I just don't Mm. like it. It takes me out of it. Um, I tend to tell the actors, first of all, some actors don't like to improv. So I, you know, I don't have them improv. I might give them new jokes or not, you know, depending on what their comfort level is. Um, And then actors who are really good at improv, I'll give them an area to improv in. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, uh, I'll say, you know, I I might pitch them a specific joke or I might say, well, you just say something in this zone, you know, and then they'll, you know. I also use improv for, to create, uh, Naturalistic performances, because even in a dramatic scenario, so uh, I might tell an actor to just, I might tell them to improv something just to see if it makes the breakup feel more real, or if it makes the meet the moment that the two characters fall in love feel more real. You know, just because they're surprising each other with what they're saying. Um, but again, it's it's not. I would say like my movies, and this one was probably less, but are probably like twenty percent jokes pitched on set or improv. Twenty-three percent jokes puts on center and improv, and then the rest is script, is scripted. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Was there, was there any like maybe habits or tactics or beliefs you had early on in your career that you were just sure about, and you now know that those are no longer true? Anything where you totally changed some belief about something with within screenwriting?
1: I'm sure I did. The big thing I learned in screenwriting, the big. And it, and it literally cracked the open the whole art form for me was re-outlining, which is you write your script as fast as you can. You do like a vomit pass or whatever. And then I would have this long draft and I'd be like, I don't know how to do notes on this. I have no idea how to do it because it's like 120 pages or longer. Maybe it's 150 pages, maybe whatever it is. And then I, one day I was like, wait, why don't I just write an outline of what's in my current draft and look at the outline? And looking at that outline is so much more useful when you're trying to rewrite than it is looking at a whole script. And then, and so I would look at the outline of what I wrote which would invariably be different than what the original outline was. And then I would re-outline that outline and then I would start rewriting. And so that was something that I think was very a useful lesson that I've told to other writers and new writers and they're like, Oh my God, this is such a great tool. I'm sure I did not invent this. I'm sure lots of people do this, but it is, but it is, it's something that really, really helps. Um, I also, it's a big pain in the butt, but I've recently started carding. I try to card everything and carding. I think the visual nature of cards unlocks something in your brain where you can just look at the scenes and like figure out like what scenes are repetitive what scenes you know uh you know what scenes you could move around um i've heard that like and i don't know if this is apocryphal or not but that spielberg's whole obsession is where is scene order like moving the scenes around and scene order i don't know if that's true uh but i've heard i heard that from someone who worked with him so i feel like i'm sure he's obsessed with a lot of things because he's a genius but that's like one thing which i think is which i think is interesting um and then the lesson that I learned every single time is comedy, set pieces in comedy coming from story. That if your set piece or your comedic moment doesn't come from the story, you're going to cut it out of the movie. And literally every time I shoot, and it's good to overshoot stuff if you can, um, but every time I shoot a comedy set piece that is, isn't coming from story, it, I lose it. I cut it out of the movie. It doesn't, you know. Um, and so, so yeah, but I, I try to learn stuff from every experience I have. I mean, there's no, it's, it's what the great thing about this job is you, you meet, you're always working with new people. You're always learning from new people, um, uh, which is cool, which is really cool.
0: Do you always have more than you need in those situations? Do you ever find yourself coming up short? It sounds like you overwrite because you're writing so many drafts. Is that typically you kind of will it down?
1: Yeah, I whittle it down. I tend to, you know, Judd said something to me early on because uh, we had this really long draft with Sarah Marshall. And, and I was like, there's just so much. And he was like, this, he, he said to me, the script isn't the movie. The script is are the parts that you're going to build the movie out of. And I think that's really true. I mean, different writers have different approaches and there's very, the piece on, I think some writer directors like have very tight scripts. But I, with comedy, you don't really exactly know what you're going to need. Um And over and over again, I'm surprised by what I need in post, you know? Uh, And so, um, so yeah. So I think like while I do overwrite and overshoot and stuff, um, it's, it's useful to have it all. It just always is. You'd rather have the piece in post than not.
0: When you're in the re-outlining phase, are you still, do you think at all about like the Sid Field structure, that type of thing? Or is it just all about the character journey? And like, how do you kind of see it when you're deleting categories or scenes and everything?
1: Yeah. I mean, Sid, the Sid Field book is the first book I read about screenwriting. I actually never read the story story by McKee. I never read that yeah. one. But Sid Field I read. I loved how practical it was. Um, like, you, know, you have to hit this one with that one with this one. Another thing that really changed my writing and really helped a lot because it's you just want to turn everything into as small increments as possible as you're writing. Um, years ago, I had, it was one of the I had a uh, drink with Nora Ephron. I asked, she's one of my idols. I asked her if she would have a drink. She said, yes, it was incredible. Um, And she told me something that she had learned from Mike Nichols, which was to split the film up into eight chapters. And so the first act is two chapters. The second act is four chapters and the third act is two chapters. And each chapter, the story has to completely change. Mm -hmm. And this lesson, it was, really mind-blowing to me because I started to understand when I'm either reading a movie script or watching a movie that feels repetitive, it's because the story isn't totally changing. And you can watch almost any movie and break it up into these eight chapters. Uh, and It helps you break the story too, because when you're working on your script or story and you're like, why does this feel repetitive or what's not working here? You're like, oh, the story isn't changing in some way. And so I think that that was, and, and another thing that she told me that was really helpful, even though I don't always do it, but it's just a helpful lesson, is Mike Nichols told her that he always starts with like a visual metaphor for the film. So like the best example being in Working Girl, it's a shot of the Statue of Liberty. So it's like a woman coming to Manhattan. And I have started doing that on my movies and stuff. Even if I end up cutting the visual metaphor out for Vryas, it forces you to think about the point of your movie. Like what is it? If you had to summarize your movie in one image. And so that to me is... Uh, very useful, uh, and and it, it, you know in Bros, it like kind of the the first image is Billy and podcast studio like talking, and he's like a lonely guy. He's alone. He's with his opinions, and he's talking. <laughs> That's like all he's doing. He's like totally alone. And I think like that to me, it, it, it is a visual metaphor for the film, or for this character at least at the beginning. You know. Um, so, anyways, it's, it's you know, but everyone, it's I learn you know I learn every time like from Billy. We have these we had these scenes that were very long of him and uh, Luke talking and um, and we he had these monologues. This is a movie with a fair number of monologues, which is not something i shot before. And I was like, I'm not sure about this. I trust this guy, we'll see what happens. I can always cut them out if I need to. And they're they're awesome. They, they work great and they're interesting. And you know, so I always I'm always open. I think keeping yourself open to to the, your various collaborators is also something that I've tried to try to do.
0: Those um those eight changes from from Nora are those a combination of internal external forces? Like can the character decide to change Is that type of thing as well? Or is it all like plot point type changes?
1: It's plot. It's plot changing. It's like the, literally the story changing, um, mm-hmm. like per, in each, in each chapter. So like, I mean, I'll just, it, it's only because I'm familiar with my movies. I'll like talk about a movie that I've done. So it's not because I think, <laughs> my movies are, but like in Sarah Marshall, like the first chapter he's done so that's like the first chapter. The second chapter, he's gonna go, he goes to Hawaii to try to fix his to try to fix his stuff. So the character does have to be changing his mind, you know. The third then then he sees Sarah Marshall there. Third chapter, he's gonna stay. He's, he decides he's gonna stay at the resort. Uh the fourth chapter, he I think the fourth chapter is uh he meets Mila Kunis and he's gonna maybe go out with her and maybe give this a shot. So it's like each one is right. like a complete change from the previous chapter it's not like uh, it's not like the 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 third chapter is he's gonna stay and the fourth chapter he's still gonna stay you know what I mean but it could be when you're reading a script that's boring it's because the the story isn't evolving in any way you know Mm -hmm. um uh and so so yeah so that's kind of like you know and you can do it with basically any movie if you want that's another thing that's a pain in the butt but like watching a movie that you love I did this with When Harry Met Sally and writing down what happens in every scene is incredibly instructive. Like when Harry Met Sally, I'd seen it a million times. I thought it was like two people just chatting for an hour and a half. When you do that, it is you realize it's the tightest movie of all time. Every scene, literally in every single scene of that movie they are say, they are restating the thesis, which is can a man and we'll be friends. Like in, in various ways. They're literally saying it in every scene and it's very tight. And, um, and that chapter thing happens. The story is always changing. Um, and it's, it's awesome. You know, it's a, it's a really, it's a, it was a real instructive thing to, I did that with Annie Hall as well. I wrote down what happened in every, and then when I did that with Annie Hall, I realized this is something a lot of people knew, knew before me, but it's like that movie essentially is a coming of age story of about Annie Hall. It's about her becoming like uh, going, not a kid, but like growing up basically. That's really what that story is uh, dramatically, structurally, you know. Um, and that's why it's so satisfying even though they don't, they don't end up together, you know, is that she kind of grows up over the course of the movie. Um, so, but again, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't kind of written down what happens in every scene. Huge pain in the butt, but it is very helpful.
0: <laughs> I think we're about out of time, we'll just do one more. I'd like to kind of wrap up some of these. Um, is there any, if you were kind of starting today, is there any advice you have about breaking in or any advice you wish you had in the beginning of your career?
1: Um. I mean, you you know, I think moving to LA and if you can and getting a job somewhere in the industry so you start meeting people, uh, I think is important. And then writing and writing and writing is really, you know, those are the two things to do. If you want to be a writer, you know, I don't know. I don't, I can only speak to writing and directing. Um, writing, writing, you know, it's rare that a script is good. So when a script is good, it's not necessarily gonna, it probably won't sell, but it could get you an agent. It could get you attention. My first script, which I worked on, you know, for a year, maybe longer. Rewrote it. Rewrote my first movie script. Um, it didn't sell, but it got me a bunch of meetings. That got me a rewrite job, and that kind of put me. It started to get me work, um, and so and that was not like the first script I wrote. That was like the third or fourth script I wrote, um, and so so I think you know really working on that script and rewriting it a million times, uh, you, you know, you'll you, it will help you get work. Uh, I don't know what it is for directing now. I imagine a lot of, I, just because I'm old now, like I can't, I don't know like what, I imagine you making stuff for TikTok and making stuff for, you know, the social media and stuff could, could certainly be really helpful. I didn't have, I had none of those tools when I was starting out. But I know with, I, it still is scripts. When we're hiring people for TV shows, we're reading scripts. We're not looking at TikTok videos. So I think it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty writing based. So, um, and yeah, Sid Screenplay really helped me and this eight chapter thing really helped me kind of figuring out and just watching a lot of movies and kind of taking notes, you know, not being a passive viewer, but literally writing down what's happening. I think you'll be surprised what you discover, uh, you know, even if it's a movie you've seen a million times.
0: Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. So many great lessons on Screenwriting and Air. If you're looking for some more information, though, some more about the craft of writing for television, Uh, We have a new chorus called Script Mastermind, where we have 21 of our proven experts telling you how to write for television, how to write a screenplay, how to break in, things like that. Uh, This includes shows of Gordon Levitt, Judd Apatow, also the writers of shows like Handmaid's Tale, Mosquito Coast, Hunters, Solar Opposites, Resident Alien, WandaVision, the list goes on and on. Check that out. Uh, you can get this all right now for one dollar at scriptmastermind.com slash television. That is the television screen running masterclass. It is at scriptmastermind.com slash television. We'll see you next time with a new episode.